A season ago, Chicago publicly announced to fans they were going into a rebuild, and last year, without an NHL goalie, they missed the playoffs, and then that was overshadowed by the team's past amid serious allegations from 2010. Well, those are reviewed. It almost seems as though the Wirtz family ownership made a clear directive to the Chicago team. Get this current team competitive and quick, leading to a high-risk set of moves that did put focus on next year's on-ice product. But will it be a winning formula? Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm Tim Bigelow. As the flurry settles on the free agency frenzy and we look at the offseason moves of the eight focused division teams, two things. Come training camp, more moves may have happened, but we do have insight into what to expect based on what's happened so far. This is a team-focused 2021-22 draft and free agency review for the Chicago Blackhawks. As I said in the year-end review, you have to find the best media sources related to the serious allegations of 2010. The public findings of that investigation aren't what any organization of any type wants to be dominating the spotlight. Truth is, I don't think it's largely that anything else hockey-related with this team can nor should. However, that doesn't mean Chicago can't start acting responsible and try to build some better public relations. You only have to look at the NHL draft that timing is everything and being genuine matters. Chicago missed the mark and putting on a show might be best left for your talented players on the ice. Chicago was due up first at pick 12 of the focus teams new to the Central Division Arizona without its pick at 11 that was forfeited by the league. Thus, the 11th player to be selected in the draft was to be by Chicago. Arizona traded away their captain in a mega deal that included selecting ninth in Vancouver spot. Chicago had decided also to swap away their 12th overall pick in a blockbuster deal to get top pair defenseman Seth Jones from Columbus and swapping first rounders as part of that return. That gave Chicago the 32nd pick of round one. Columbus took Cole Sillinger at 12, former NHLer Mike Sillinger's son. I'd expected Chicago to select right winger Matthew Coronado with the 12th pick. Coronado was selected right after Columbus's pick by Calgary at pick 13. Essentially, very accurately to where I projected he would, based on the draft previews and scouting I looked at. The Columbus-Chicago trade happened on draft day, so I didn't record a new prediction for the podcast preview put up the day prior for where Chicago was going to now select last in the first round. The pick was originally Tampa Bay's to Columbus, then to Chicago. Watching the first round of the draft live was, in a word, long, and if not for Chicago now having the final pick of the round, I would have probably skipped the end of the draft after Colorado's pick. A lot of teams traded up or down, and it seemed very few teams selected in the original selection spots that dragged it out time-wise, especially. 
As you are well aware, Montreal, with the 31st pick, 30th player, takes the player that asks not to be drafted under legal controversy of sharing a woman's private images, yet Montreal decides to draft the player and that pre-planned group of talented women behind Chicago GM Stan Bowman for the Chicago pick directly after, well, that especially because it was a public relations stunt, albeit with good intentions, it fell flat as it should directly following it. It would have looked awkward as it was with the 12th selection spot, it absolutely showed through as disgenuine after Montreal's selection, and it goes back to fostering good public community relations that needs to be genuine, not forced. The effort of trying hard to generate it doesn't pass the poop test. Sure, Chicago as an organization could use some good PR right now, and I'm not about to give them advice, but that idea was a bad one. Actually, here is my advice. The functions of selecting your draft pick this year should have been as businesslike and simplistic as possible. It should have been the GM or head scout picking the player by themselves as if it were the answer on Jeopardy. Low-key and simple. The temptation to use a platform to do more did have to factor that a player controversy that could be selected by any team, even after his wishes not to be, was a real possibility and why Chicago's selection should have been low-key and simplistic. By the way, lost in this was defenseman Nolan Allen from Prince Albert of the Western Hockey League who was selected, and maybe Chicago should have found a way for the attention to be on him. The stay-at-home defenseman with size draws comparables to recently retired Chicago defenseman Brent Seabrook, for one. The second-round selection by Chicago was current Chicago player and draft pick Kirby Doc's brother, Colton, and additionally defenseman Tage Harding was selected in the third round. I generally just talk about the selections in the first three rounds, as even is the case with middle-to-late first-rounders a few years at the earliest is before they develop to be in the conversation for potentially making the big team roster. Chicago put together some big trade splashes leading up to free agency, and as we go through the team depth chart positionally, we'll unpack those for you today. That quick turnaround in direction is good for the cup core that remains, rather cup-winning duo more aptly, and that did put focus on the current Chicago team. Chicago may, in fact, simply have had the directive that winning hockey games is good for business. They aren't in a good space to be selling a rebuild to the fan base, and this year's switch in the team rebuilding plan only makes sense by looking through those lenses. There is absolutely a correlation between the two. The question this podcast is to ask is addressing those hockey moves. Is Chicago now out of the non-playoff team mix? And if so, where are they competitively to the rest of the Central Division next season? A bubble playoff team, a legit playoff-bound team, or an actual cup contender? Positionally, Chicago last year went without a proven NHL starting goalie, parting ways with cup winner Corey Crawford, and much like the roster throughout last season, it was quite honestly an open audition concept that one would expect from an AHL farm team, not an NHL team. 
The goaltending wasn't playoff caliber as none of the three provided more than adequate at best goaltending. And while the team scored goals, the team defense metrics were closer to non-playoff teams as well. After the last few seasons of Chicago middling around the playoff wildcard bubble mix, much to many of Chicago's fans' frustrations, last year there were less expectations that Chicago would make the playoffs and they early on in the run and gun play before the teams tightened up in preparation for the playoffs for a time held the fourth playoff discover central spot to then quietly fall behind and finish outside looking in as was expected however the organization had prepared fans for that reality in some ways it was better than expected in others it was exactly as anticipated the change of plans this offseason was more unexpected from the leaked rumor chicago was trying to trade with columbus for seth jones that didn't make sense for a team just starting a rebuild that was followed by trading for an actual nhl goalie additionally and while chicago clearly had a quick change of heart on the rebuild plans the beneficiaries mostly for the duel of three-time cup winners jonathan taves and patrick kane who quickly in a pair of off seasons saw the other cup core retired or traded away Let's get into the specifics as we start in net at Chicago's offseason thus far. Goal. Chicago needed to get an NHL starting goalie. That was atop the organizational needs. It was the biggest reason Chicago wasn't a playoff team a year ago because they invested no money in an actual NHL starting goalie while parting ways with Corey Crawford. It was instantly, without a surprise, above average, unexpected performance, not going to be playoff bound, even though the other areas of the team were competitively good enough to minimally be a bubble playoff team. Chicago trades with Vegas to get vet Stanley Cup winner and reigning Vesna Trophy winner Marc-Andre Fleury, and he has agreed to play. At $7 million with one year remaining contract-wise, it was a bold move. If Chicago wanted to be competitively in the playoff mix conversation, it was a requirement as a starting point. Maybe it didn't have to be Fleury, but he definitely checks all the requirement boxes for what was missing last year in net in Chicago. For everything Kevin Lankinen did, he wouldn't have been the starter on any NHL playoff-bound teams last year. His ability to be a more adequate backup than Malcolm Subban may be the case. Well, that's good competition for the backup role now. It's not for the team's starting goalie. That big Chicago issue is addressed with Flurry. It does move the needle on the team's fortunes. Both Lankinen in his starter workload last year and Subban as a primary backup were just over 900 save percentage and both were goals against average just over three. That isn't good enough to backstop an NHL team to the postseason stat-wise. Now, if we were to put Flurry's stats in front of the Vegas D, I know I'm going to hear that we can't compare the teams in front of the goalie. Certainly last year versus this year, the makeup of the Chicago D group won't be the same anyways. However, there was more collectively to that D group of a year ago than they got credit for. They weren't all in all as suspect as the last line of defense. The net minding couldn't do more than the league average level, not above average that was required. Natural stat trick had Lankinen's goal saved above average at 643 Here's some comparables. Colorado's Philip Grubauer, a Vezina nominee, was 3.06 in that metric. UC Saros in Nashville was 24.64 to carry Nashville into the final Discover Central playoff spot. 
Grubauer played on a team that allowed the fewest average shots on goal per game and still made goals saved above average. Nashville wasn't as good a team as Chicago at forward and defense positionally. Therefore, their goaltender had to make a goal saved above average mark that's higher to compensate for Nashville's team deficiencies. That goal saved above average mark for Lankinen needed to be double digit to have Lankinen get to a goals against average and save percentage stat playoff bound teams have. He simply didn't, and even though his goal saved above average compared to backup Subin at a minus 5.73 mark, it wasn't a different maker like Saros was. Lankinen didn't have to have the same goal saved above average mark as Saros, but it definitely needed to be closer to his than a goalie with a great team defense such as Colorado had in front of Grubauer. Flurry in front of Vegas's playoff cup contender caliber defense was... 9.76 goals saved above average. He had a goals against average of 1.98. Simply, even if Chicago's defense isn't as good as Vegas's was a year ago, Flurry is going to provide Chicago with a number one goalie. And if his numbers drop, and I think they do this upcoming season, they aren't going to drop to where Lincoln and, and Subin were collectively. And that does mean Chicago wins more games because of actual not just having a better goalie, actually having an NHL caliber starting goalie that they didn't have at all last year. It also puts one of Lincoln in or Subban into backup duty where they are best suited. And while stat-wise Lankinen looks to be the top candidate, the working relationship of Flurry starter Subban backup is what Vegas had until they picked up Robin Leonard from Chicago for Subban when they upgraded their goalie tantum a couple years back. It's to say Flurry and Subban have a proven ability to work together, and that benefits the transition of Flurry to his new team, so I would be inclined to consider that relationship as well. It puts Chicago back into the playoff conversation. It doesn't put them instantly atop of the division because with the exception of Arizona, every central division team has at least a proven NHL quality starting going now without that essential position piece. Like last year, we would just know that Chicago wasn't playoff bound for sure. This is Central Division Hockey, the podcast. We'll take a quick break and return to look at Chicago's D and forward groups for next season so far. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now. 
Only at Bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at Bartesian.com slash holiday. Welcome back to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. This is a team-focused 2021-22 draft and free agency review for the Chicago Blackhawks, turning our attention to the D-group, defense. A new cornerstone defenseman in that Chicago is now keeping up with the Joneses in the quality department with their divisional rivals. And how much are Chicago fans jonesing about the new-look D-group? Chicago pulled out all the stops to land Seth Jones from Columbus, and much like with Flurry and Nett, I'm not sure they had much of a backup plan in the event they didn't get the trades completed, or this podcast has a whole tone change. First, a requested trade of Vet Cup winner Duncan Keith to Edmonton to be closer to family. Grabbing Seth's brother, bottom pair defenseman Caleb in the deal, and not retaining salary with limited trade partner options was a tidy piece of work by Chicago. Seth Jones is a top minute right-hand defenseman compared to Keith, a left-hand defenseman who, at 37, is no longer in his prime. He still was Chicago's best defenseman last year. Jones is in his prime at 26, and whether your cornerstone defense piece is on the left-hand or right-hand side isn't of primary concern as to the side it's on. That you have a cornerstone defenseman is. It's one of those essential cup contender checkboxes for winning. For many years, Duncan Keith was Chicago's checkbox. That right-hand D to left-hand D flip does benefit Chicago more so as it takes right-hand defenseman Connor Murphy, 28, and moves him into his rightful second-pairing spot. He did admirably, punching above his weight, essentially as a top-pair guy last year. The addition of Seth Jones puts Murphy where he is best slotted. That is the improvement. The cost was losing top prospect and top four cusp of potential right-hand defenseman Adam Boquist, 20, in the deal with Columbus. In the short term, Chicago is better because Boquist was going to be the third-pair D-man if he stayed in Chicago and that would be best-case scenario for Chicago. Truth is, he is still a prospect, not fully capable of being a everyday, reliable top-four guy, and this year, Chicago will have that with its right-hand D-side top-four in Jones and Murphy. With Keith traded, the Chicago payroll till Seth Jones' $9.5 million eight-year extension kicks in. Actually, this year is $0.1 million less comparatively. Next year, in what would have been Keith's final year, it is $4 million more. The other part is Adam Boquist is going to play in the NHL and how good he does as a top four potential top pair defenseman is long-term a costly giveaway to obtain Seth Jones. This was about having Chicago competitive now. The left-handy for the top four without Keith isn't as strong. Now Chicago added left-hand defenseman, unrestricted free agent Jake McCabe, 27 from Buffalo, on a $4 million four-year deal. And based on his time on ice, he's slightly more so than the returning Calvin DeHaan, 30, is the top pair guy with DeHaan and Murphy, the second pair, and on paper, that top four is going to be good and give Chicago quality minutes. 
it's an upgrade from a year ago. The key word is on paper because how good it really is comes back to the health of those two left-hand defensemen. McCabe only played 13 games and DeHaan missed 12 games played last season and it's the second year for DeHaan with a substantial block of missed games played. The cup is half full take is Chicago's top four provided they all play is going to be defensively good. The block shot metric is amazing with these four guys. They will support Flurry a lot. The cup is half empty take if one or both McCabe and DeHaan miss time. Well, the drop off of the Chicago D group makes it about as good as last year where D men will have to punch above their ability like Murphy did and the now departed left-hand defenseman Nikita Zadorov traded to Calgary did with mixed results. Last year, the Chicago D issue was D-men having to play a bigger role than they were best suited for, and a catalog of guys who did end up playing not a cohesive set group of six. Rumors persist Chicago is still considering moving on from DeHaan even before the season. And to be clear, when DeHaan is healthy, he still can play quality top four second pairing NHL minutes. My concern with him has always been, since he arrived in Chicago, his ability staying healthy to fully contribute like he can. And Chicago moving on from him to me is simply that reality, wanting more security with the top four group playing regularly which would be peace of mind. Last year's Open Audition Chicago Development Program lineup, we got a good look at the remaining prospects that two will have to make up the bottom pair from. The trade for Boquist benefits Ian Mitchell, 22, on the right-hand D side most. He is who I think takes that bottom pair spot while he plays sheltered minutes behind Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. That will allow him to develop at least into the second pair replacement for Murphy with time. The left-hand D has multiple options for the bottom pair natural side. Riley Stillman, 23, signed to a $1.35 million three-year deal would look based on Chicago's salary valuation to be the leading candidate for that spot. 24-year-old Wyatt Kalanick, to me, is a better option. I thought he, of the two, played better last year. I'm not sure who is so high on Stillman in the Chicago organization, but GM Stan Bowman is a good guess with Stillman's contract. The other possibility is that having both D-men play with one on his off-handed side on the bottom pair. 24-year-old Caleb Jones is in the mix, such Jones' brother. He factors in to compete for a bottom pair spot, and that also leads left-hand defenseman 21-year-old Nicholas Bodin and right-wing 21-year-old Alex Regula to play top minutes in Rockford and fully develop as they should be. I like Bodine especially, but he shouldn't have played 19 games of a 56-game schedule at the NHL level last year. There is depth here for Chicago, but to be clear, any combo of Mitchell, Stillman, Kellenick, Caleb Jones is merely adequate bottom pair NHL caliber defense. None really should play top four, and the more sheltered the bottom pair minutes are by a healthier top four, the better Chicago is defensively. They all have upside, and they all aren't proven NHL bottom pair regulars yet. It's good enough to make the playoffs under ideal circumstances. It's not a cup contender status defense group. 
the reason one of the five, six guys on a cup contending team, you would be confident could play top four for a good stretch if needed during injuries. That D-man isn't here with Chicago. Nikita Zadorov, who was overpaid and essentially played top four, would actually be the fifth D guy who could play spot duty top four. He was a bottom pair NHL regular capable defenseman. And while Chicago's group is promising that two of the available solidify being able to be, they haven't fully demonstrated it yet. The concern of not having a drop off to the top four is dependent on off injured McCabe and DeHaan being able to play a full schedule or Chicago could simply be defensively as strong as a year ago, not better. Looking at the offense, last year while Chicago allowed too many goals against, even with key top six injuries, Chicago scored goals. However, this year's team is also not last year's team on offense, and while doing the depth chart, while it isn't worse, it isn't improved either. In fact, Chicago needs better goaltending and team defense because I don't think they collectively score at a better rate than they did a year ago. Now, the two All-Stars were 30-plus goal-scoring Alex Dabrink at 23 and almost a assist-per-game All-Star MVP Patrick Kane, 32. Missing were top six top center Jonathan Taves, 33, and center right wing Kirby Doc, 20, who returned to play 18 games down the regular season stretch. I have the two as pairs by design. Everyone can make the argument for either Taves or Doc at center between the first two players. Taves with them creates a true top line, but it does make the rest of Chicago's lineup imbalanced by doing that. Likewise, last year, it was a collective rotation of centers that didn't disrupt Debrinket and Kane because they didn't skill-wise get in the way. Kirby Doc's skill set does to me disrupt it. He also needs to improve his face-off win percentage to be playing top six at center as it is now. Point is, all Chicago needs at center between Debrinket and Kane is someone who doesn't get in the way, and pairing Taze with Doc at right wing as the other top six line balances out Chicago's best four forwards. Dominique Kubalik, who can still snipe but had a down year, would benefit with Taves and Doc to regain his goal output. I also thought of tossing newly acquired vet center Tyler Johnson, 31, between DeBrinken and Kane, but he doesn't look to play the 20-plus minutes the other two players will. Dylan Strom, 24, although rumors persist, he may be a player on the move before next season begins, as Chicago's team exists now, is who I actually put with DeBrinken and Kane. The reasoning is newly re-signed left-winger Brandon Hagel I have slotted on the third line to play 15.5 to 17 minutes, and I like Tyler Johnson as a third-line center, and that's where, while in Tampa Bay at about 20 seconds shy of 14 minutes average time on ice, Johnson was used. Getting him 15 to 17 minutes seems more expected than 20-plus, but we'll have to see. And either way, Strom or Johnson in the top six, to me, it has to be another true top six center away from full value with Doc on the wing. If you put Doc at center, boy, having someone like Brandon Saad in the top six on the wing would be the missing piece to a really good top six. Trouble is, Brandon Hagel nor the remaining players ought to play top six on the wing, and that's why I circled back to Strom at center. At 15 minutes, 56 seconds average time on ice per game, and now about to enter his prime, Strom is the best available option at center to round out the Chicago top six, 
and keep Doc at the wing. Finding a third-line player for third line may simply be the re-signed Alex Nylander, 23, to play with Hagel and Johnson, and that, to me, has the most potential as a top nine for Chicago. The other idea was maybe having 20-year-old Philip Kurashev on his off-wing there, again, not playing center. Quite honestly, for Kurashev's development, if he is playing fourth-line center, time on ice, Chicago would be better to have him playing top-line minutes in Rockford at the American Hockey League level. And by the way, a signed Nylander has at least one of them playing in Rockford, if not both. The reasoning, it's quite possible, although it would be disappointed if they both do, but Ryan Carpenter, 30, and Brett Connolly, 29, could play third and fourth line right wing. That's an option. I would put Carpenter on the fourth line, and while based on his play last year, while I would be healthy scratching Connolly, that really was a bad contract for playing value for Chicago to take on. I understand why Florida wanted to move on from Connolly. Now, 23-year-old prospect Hendrik Borgstrom was a prospect asset as part of that deal, and the Matthew Highmore for center Adam Gaudet from Vancouver trade at last year's trade deadline is who I have at fourth line center. When Chicago knew it was flipping the retired defenseman Brent Seabrook's contract to Tampa Bay for Tampa to bury it on long-term injury reserve in return for center Johnson, Pugh Suter, who did play up and down the lineup, was a casualty to the numbers game in Chicago. Suter also, when he was in the bottom six last year, struggled with his point production that was there mostly when he played top six. Thing is, Suter didn't fit to be a top six player on a healthy Chicago roster this year, and his bottom six value was negligible. Still, I think he probably has more value than Gaudet as a fourth line center would. Pius Suter, 25 at $3.5 million per three year deal with Detroit, isn't signed to play fourth line center, but actually in the top nine. Gaudet, 24 at 9.97K for one year. Well, that's cap management done right for a fourth line center. The new other acquisition is Jujar Kara, 26, a 975K two year deal formerly of Edmonton, and he's a center left wing, so I have him on the fourth line wing, again, preferably with Carpenter at right wing. Truth is, any three of them can actually take face-offs, and that might, along with size and low minutes, be adequate. It certainly won't generate offense, but while the departed Vinny Henestrosa in his brief stint did last year, the departed David Camp didn't. However, if you think of the contributions of Matthias Janmark and Carl Soderberg prior to being dealt at the deadline to the bottom six in Chicago last year, I can hardly want to say the lineup is improved. If it is, then it does fall on the returning from injury. Alex Nylander, that with Johnson and Hangel, would potentially make a good third line that can generate secondary scoring. The top six will generate, but it is all healthy five of six full value top six players to me the top six will drive offense and a third line contributing will help when the fourth line looks like it won't the playing 12 and a couple of nhl ready prospects are there so much like the left side d the big question mark of the forward group is just its ability to stay overall healthy and it's a playoff caliber group still a couple of key injuries and the bottom six can get dragged down to be less competitive and more of a liability here 
The one thing you can be sure of is this lineup will have adjustments because coach Jeremy Calton doesn't shy away from them. The personnel Chicago has that actually strikes me as being a potential disadvantage as opposed to the surprises such as Hegel were a year ago with this prospect first open audition lineup. Especially with more veterans, they really do have cap value. You can expect Tyler Johnson to come in and play like, for example, Dallas' Joe Pavelski did last year on a top line, and that took a full year even to materialize, you would be wise to remember. It's to say, tinkering with more fluidity last year was because of the injuries and the personnel of the playing group available. This year's Chicago team makeup is, to me, way more set in the reasonable expectations of its group. That's good because it's true to be expected of playoff competitive teams point is the drawback is of too much tinkering that it could in fact take players out of their best roles into ones they aren't as successful in instead of building the chemistry in a defined line setup that looks like chicago would be better result wise to deploy as a coach i would fear out maneuvering might in fact have the team underperform I say this as last year there were more unknowns lineup-wise, while this year it looks very clear where the personnel best fits, and they are capped to those line and D pairings. I could be wrong. I also could change the time on ice mix, then was deployed last year, say keep the Brinkett-Kane combo up in their minutes, but give Taves and Doc close to 20 as well, and as I said, get the traditional third line 15 to 16 minute usage and a low 10 minute average for the fourth line last year's lines two through four in chicago were more evenly shared in the forward group summer prediction for next season sixth in the central division missing the playoffs final thoughts first better goaltending an actual nhl starting goalie takes chicago from finishing with the basement dwelling teams because Chicago has the ability to score goals in their top six forward group and have at least a third line that will potentially give secondary scoring. The fourth line low minute unit should to me be defensively sound and even generate some cycle game for good line changes and potentially getting other lines good offensive zone possession for quick strike offense. As I mentioned in passing, left-hand defenseman Kelvin DeHaan, or also a 5'6 NHL-proven defenseman, and Dylan Strom staying are still potential possible changes. However, while Marc-Andre Fleury is the reigning Vesna Trophy winner, only Arizona doesn't have a legitimate starter of the Central Division teams, and it's a quality group of elite-level goalies just in the division. The D-group left-hand D-side and top four especially need to be healthy to get the Chicago team into the playoffs, and I would feel more confident with one more vet 5-6 bottom pair D-men who could play in injuries to bridge the thinness. The same can be said about the forward group. It's missing a top six piece. The top center, Taves, is coming back from a whole season off, and more injuries will create a trickle-down effect negatively. If Brett Connolly plays 70-plus games next season instead of, say, 30-40 to 40 max in the regular season, I'm thinking Chicago lands about where they were several seasons running, a team just shy of the playoffs that is essentially where they were with Corey Crawford. They need optimum conditions 
to be a wild card playoff team and additionally either St. Louis or Dallas to underperform to expectation next season to be playoff bound. I think there is some overvaluation of the offseason moves that Chicago was nearer to the cup contender status company teams now. It's simply not the case. They have a goalie, a cornerstone defenseman, and two to three elite forward boxes checked, but there's not the 5-6 NHL D-depth and still holes in the forward group lineup that just puts them accurately into the playoff bubble team conversation mix. That sounds more like the same spot this team has been at, and this group looks to simply be tweaked enough to be put back into that placement, not out of the playoff mix completely. Honestly, for this team to be competing for one of the three Central Division playoff spots and Division Conference title, I think I would have to be wrong about a multitude or trio of Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, Dallas, and Winnipeg projecting to be below Chicago. I'm inclined to think at most two of those teams would, but realistically, I think it's actually only one of them. The glasses half full projection is fifth in the central with the central division having both wildcard spots for the upcoming season. Chicago playing, I would guess, Vegas or Edmonton if they were to get that wildcard spot, essentially the team that wins the Pacific Division title in the first round. I honestly think that if St. Louis still doesn't shore up its defensive game or Dallas doesn't return to health better than Chicago does otherwise, that's how they would be able to do it. If St. Louis does shore up his defense and Dallas is healthy, the glasses have empty projection, put Chicago right down to the wire, but still six and out of the playoff mix without Marc-Andre Fleury playing, I would have been pretty set to put them six all along. They kind of are closer to where Dallas, St. Louis, and Nashville were a year ago, but not above them. And of those teams, Chicago will have to be better than all but one of to simply sneak into the playoffs. It's possible, but it's hardly guaranteed. Nashville has regressed, but Dallas and St. Louis haven't, and being ahead of one of the latter two is required to be playoff bound as a wildcard team. Thank you for listening to Central Division Hockey, the podcast, and the team-focused 2021-22 draft and free agency review for the Chicago Blackhawks. Up next in the podcast, we turn our attention to St. Louis and how their offseason is going. you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want i'll have an old-fashioned i'll have a margarita now you can with the bartesian home cocktail maker bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button choose from over 50 different cocktails from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today you'll always get freshly mixed perfectly balanced cocktails with the bartesian cocktail maker and now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday entertaining 
The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com slash holiday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.